before we get to today's episode, we wanted to give a special offer to Glossy Podcast listeners to join Glossy Plus. With a Glossy Plus membership, you get early access to podcast episodes, all of Glossy's content, event discounts, private Slack channels, and more. To join, use the code Hillary25, that's H-I-L-A-R-Y 25, for 25% off an annual subscription. Now on to the episode. Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Hillary Milnes, and today's guest is Mary Renner Beach, the CMO of Kate Spade. In this episode, recorded at the Remote Conference in November, we discuss the Kate Spade customer, how the brand has changed under tapestry, and why it's good to be scrappy. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, Mary. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Great. <laughs> so we are here at Remote in Los Angeles, and you're talking on behalf of Kate Spade today, actually, about a few different sustainability initiatives that Kate Spade has going on. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Sure, yes. Today I'm going to be speaking about an initiative we have had uh, since 2014 called On Purpose. Mm -hmm. And we have helped build a supplier in Masaro, Rwanda that employs 200 women. And it is a social enterprise program, meaning that it has a double bottom line of profit and purpose. Mm -hmm. And how is this a new development of uh, what, what Kate Spade has done on the sustainability side, on the you know, the eco side, the environment side, sure. uh, how do you see it fitting into a broader strategy for, for the business and, and symbolizing where it's heading? Sure. I think for Kate, um, we've always been a brand about women. We mm -hmm. were founded by a woman. Our customers are primarily women and we are staffed and led primarily by women as well. So focusing on initiative that is all about the economic empowerment of women mm -hmm. has come very naturally to mm -hmm. us. And for a long time, the brand was working with NGOs, non-governmental organizations to source products from marginalized communities um, that paid women by the piece, um, and then we sold those products in our stores. And we realized pretty quickly that there was more we could do as a global fashion brand, mm -hmm. and that's when we launched On Purpose, which allowed us to use our capital in the form of buying land and equipment and building buildings and training workers to set up suppliers that we do not own, mm -hmm. um, but suppliers that then create handbags on behalf of Kate Spade and employ women, and at the same time have a social purpose. So a cost, a social impact cost of every single bag goes back to training and development programs for the employees, 90% of whom are women. So mm -hmm. it's been a great initiative for us um, and one that we're very excited about. Awesome. And, and how do you communicate this to the customer and, and kind of let them know the something you're doing without making it seem like, like you know, a, a business promotional push? Uh, you know, we were just talking about, you know, the fact that people like to, to hear about things mm -hmm. that the companies are doing, but in order for it to come off as an authentic uh, you know real real initiative how do you how do you sort of present that as as the CMO and to the customers it's very interesting with on purpose because it 100% did not start from a marketing place right. um, it started from a place of feeling like that as a brand we could make a difference in women's lives in a way that was greater than we were currently mm -hmm. and the marketing kind of came in after the fact um, and I think first and foremost the bags that we make through on purpose and in Rwanda currently um, have to work from a product perspective right. customers have to love them mm -hmm. um, and 
may have the same quality, design aesthetics, colors, materials as our current line. And we, but at the same time, we want customers to know that they are special, that they are different. Mm -hmm. And so from a marketing perspective, we really focus on, we have a hang tag that communicates the story. It actually has the name of the artisan that worked on the bag. Um, and then we produce materials. We've produced a documentary last um, International Women's mm -hmm. Day. We do a social impact report every year. But one of the things I think is important for brands is, yes, there's a marketing element to all of this, but it needs to start first that it makes sense from a business perspective. Mm -hmm. um, it's very important that on purpose for us, it's not a charitable initiative. It's not a CSR initiative. Mm -hmm. It's a business initiative. Mm -hmm. um, and then we market that to consumers so that they know what we're doing. Um, but that was a secondary factor. Yeah. How does it fit into your overall uh, product and collection strategy right now? How do you, we're nearing the end of the year, I, I, obviously the way that brands have uh, thought about collections and seasonality mm -hmm. has changed a lot. Uh, so so when you look at you know the, the broad collection of Kate Spade mm -hmm. products, where does On Purpose fit into, here's what's new in stores, there's newness, mm -hmm. you know, I think that customers really value that, that sure. you know, something new in stores every time they go visit. Uh, how do you sort of see that as, as fitting into the overall ecosystem of product collections that, that you have on sale and in the pipeline right now? One of the things that we really love about the program is the fact that it's fully integrated into our supply chain. Mm -hmm. So we design seasonally, and every month when we deliver um, new new products, new handbags, new apparel, new ready-to-wear, um, we are delivering new on-purpose products as well. So it's fully integrated just the way any other product would be. And I think that's really important, both for the factory itself, to be working like any other factory in the globe, mm -hmm. um, but also for the customer to be able to find those products at the same time as everything else. And mm -hmm. we're really excited for 2019. We have our first new creative director in 10 years, um, and in addition to reimagining imagining all of Kate Spade um, on purpose as part of that. So next mm -hmm. um, spring, we'll be launching her first bags for that collection as mm -hmm. well. Nice. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about how the all the different categories that, that Kate Spade does have. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it started as a handbag brand yeah. and now it's 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 much more uh, developed than that. How do you as as in your position mm -hmm. bring it into this whole world of, of Kate Spade and communicate that overarching message to the customer, no matter where they're interacting with the brand and what types of products they're interested in. You know, Kate Spade launched 25 years ago this year in 1993. Mm -hmm. And uh, while it started as a handbag company and we are still primarily a handbag company, from very early on, it was a, we call life and style, but a lifestyle brand. Um, very early on, footwear was added, um, tabletop was added, stationery was added. Mm -hmm. It was always envisioned as more than just one product category. And mm -hmm. we've carried that few forward today. We have 29 different product categories at Kate Spade. And I think what allows that to be successful is that we are very clear on our brand. We are very clear on our brand and our customer, what the core DNA is. And so whether that is manifesting as a handbag or a, um, you know, a wonderful, um, you know, table linens and tabletop collection mm -hmm. as uh, collaboration with Keds. We have an amazing sneaker line from Keds. However that brand manifests, the customer has an expectation and that expectation is being delivered on because mm -hmm. of the clarity that we have of our brand positioning. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, I think, somewhat unique in the industry, uh, but uh, is a very exciting part of working there and certainly of being the CMO. Right. And, and how long have you been in this position at Kate Spade? Uh, I'll be six years in January. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes. Yes. Uh, you have a new pair <laughs> company yes. in tapestry and that was that was as of last year yes. is that right july 17 uh so so how has your role changed um just you know since since you started and 
since uh, Kate Spade went under the tapestry umbrella, what what resources do you have? What types of um, you know overall initiatives and goals do you have? Where do you sort of see this this brand fitting into that that mm-hmm. overall company and and using its its you know new new resources to its advantage? So it has been a tremendous amount of change in six years, but I think the biggest changes have been with the consumers and what the consumers' expectations are. Mm-hmm. So as much as you know, parent companies come and go, and you have new acquisitions. Um, the biggest changes have been with the consumers' expectations. Mm-hmm. We have always been a company that has wanted to have our products available whenever and wherever customers want to purchase them. So we were very early on uh, an adopter of e-commerce, and e-commerce remains a significant portion of our business. Uh-huh. Um, while we're also direct to consumer, um, the bulk of our business is direct to consumer with retail shops around the globe as well. Right. And um, that has changed as well. It's no longer just um, acceptable to have retail shops and .com. You have to be omni. Mm-hmm. So we have buy online, pick up in store. We have buy online, ship from store. Um, and e-commerce and digital initiatives have been uh, at the forefront of what we do. In my team, digital marketing has gone through so many changes. I mean, how consumers want to engage with you, um, when they want to engage with you. There's mm-hmm. a stat that I love that our attention span now is on par with that of a goldfish. Mm-hmm. Um, that is really important as a marketer. Mm-hmm. Uh, women do not have a lot of time. So we need to make sure to get the right message to them in the right way. So that has been really the biggest changes that I've seen for us. Mm-hmm. Um, What's next with having our first new creative director in 10 years as a marketer is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we are reimagining everything about Kate Spade, but linking it incredibly clearly to our heritage and these past 25 years and why consumers have loved us um, and also to our future. How can we make sure they continue to love us and that we acquire new customers in the brand who previously might not have considered us? Right. I think that push and pull between wanting to make sure that loyal customers mm-hmm. are are still involved in the brand and still feel like they are they are a priority of the brand as well as bringing in new customers is, is a big challenge. We hear mm-hmm. a lot of brands in that position going through. And so when you, ha- you have the new creator, Nicola Glass. Nicola Glass, Glass yes. Uh, she, I think we've seen so much turnover in, mm-hmm. in terms of creative directors at other fashion brands and and it's always interesting to watch what they do from the marketing perspective. Mm-hmm. You've seen everything from like wiping Instagram accounts totally clean yeah. to you know just having this new creative director uh, holistic vision for for the brand making sure that they touch everything like you said that mm-hmm. that brand positioning for the for Kate Spade is so important so how do you work with with her to make sure that her vision kind of permeates through every message that that customers see when Nicola came on, it became very clear that this was going to be an evolution, not a revolution from a brand perspective. Mm-hmm. From a product perspective, um, that's where she started and where rightly she should, and focusing on how do we make the most exciting, best quality, um, best designed handbags, apparel, um, tabletop, uh, accessories, small leather goods, jewelry, how can we make the best possible product for mm-hmm. our consumers? Mm-hmm. And it was incredibly inspiring to see her um, really just um, wave a magic wand over all those categories and create really exciting new product that then we get to communicate the story to the consumers. Right. But we also worked very closely with her in developing a very clear brand vision um, that, um, again, links to our heritage and to our future. So our brand promise as a brand is one of optimistic femininity. I think anyone who's loved Kate Spade will not find those two words to be surprising. Mm -hmm. Um, We have always been a brand that has been very optimistic, joyful, um, happy in terms of the color palette, in terms of the stories that we tell. Mm -hmm. And then femininity is something that we've had from the very beginning. We think 
think being sophisticated and feminine is very powerful. Mm -hmm. And we think our customers are incredibly powerful. And so that positioning is, again, very clear to us in everything that we do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the things I love about working with Nicola and everyone at Kate Spade is that we, we put the customer at the center and she is always in our mind when we're envisioning products or marketing and we have enormous respect for her. Mm -hmm. We have enormous respect that um, purchasing a handbag at our price point is quite an investment for women. Um, and so we want them to have something that reflects them personally and mm -hmm. that they can be proud to carry. Right. And I think for them, connecting with optimistic femininity has been that thing um, that has made them so excited. We're taking a quick break to tell you about our new show, The Glossy Beauty Podcast. Hosted by Glossy Beauty editor Priya Rao, the Glossy Beauty Podcast features discussions with leaders in the beauty and wellness industries. Guests include Linda Wells, Alicia Yoon, and Miranda Kerr, and new episodes are released every Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Don't miss it. Now back to the episode. You mentioned um, a few times direct and, and yes. just like having that customer at the center of all the strategies. We've seen brands that you know, it might have started in, in mm -hmm. 1993. It's just a very different landscape in yes. terms of distribution and what works best. And you have all of these new brands coming mm -hmm. out and like making the concept of direct to consumer part of their branding. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very interesting uh, turning point for, for brands that were around. And it's mm -hmm. not a new concept. It's it's just the way that, that these brands are, are positioning themselves around it is changing the way that customers kind of mm -hmm. think about the brands that they are loyal to and, and interested in being a part of. And so how does Kate Spade, you mentioned it's, it is a direct-to-consumer mm -hmm. brand, You have but you have retail partners. How yeah. do you look at those two sides of the business and make sure that they are supporting each other that they make sense and it's not you know not falling into any of the trappings that kind of got the department stores the, sure. the bad rap then that direct to consumer sure. brands love to talk about i think first and foremost i am so excited about all the new entrants into the brand because it's it's raising the bar mm -hmm. um we always say at kate spade that the bar is high because any lower and we just trip over it so mm -hmm. i love that the bar is being raised and raised and that consumers expectations are changing mm -hmm. we are still predominantly a direct to consumer brand the bulk of our business the vast majority of our business are through our kate spade shops um and our uh, katespade.com websites around the globe. And it was always that way. It has always been that way. Early on, we did begin partnering with wholesales. The brand started um, early on as a wholesale brand mm -hmm. at Bloomingdale's and very quickly at Nordstrom's. Um, but then they started opening stores. And I think we found success in that. Um, and then huge success as we launched .com mm -hmm. um, in the late 2000s. Right. And um, we're going to continue that way. We have no plans of changing it. We love the relationship that we have um, with consumers at our shops mm -hmm. and the relationship we're able to have through katespade.com. Mm -hmm. But a lot of customers, I will tell you as someone who does research on behalf of the brand, a lot of customers do discover us at wholesale. So mm -hmm. there's a component of the business and discovery that's important from wholesalers whether it's here in the U.S. or across Europe um, and, and in the Japanese market where we have shop and shops, it is an important component of discovery and so will always be an important component of our overall business. Right. And, and having that footing where the bulk of the business is direct, how does that help you paint the picture or have like that complete view of who your customer is? Mm -hmm. And then as a marketer, using that information to personalize anything from an email to your, your social media messaging to the products that are being designed for the next season. How do you use the, the candle on customer mm -hmm. data that you have? Because that's where the, the majority of the, mm -hmm. the business is coming from. Customers directly telling the brand what they want. Uh, to make better decisions than sure. a brand that kind of you know, kind of as a black box would, would be able to make. You know, it's it's all about data. Everybody talks about data mm -hmm. and, and being a direct-to-consumer data, it, it, uh, 
direct-to-consumer company, we do have so much access to the data. And I always like to say, and I hear others say it too, that we are data-informed, not data-led. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. Um, right. Fashion will always have a component of it that is gut. Mm -hmm. um, great designers just know what's going to come next. They know what consumers are going to love. Um, but we have this data at our fingertips in terms of you know, past purchase history. Um, we can predict what future uh, purchases will be through the data. One of the major pluses for us from the tech Tapestry acquisition is that they have an amazing data analytics team in-house, mm -hmm. and that is something we didn't have in the past, so we've had a lot more access. Um, and I think it's about mining that data not to find more data, mm -hmm. but to find insights. Right. What are the insights that are going to let us do the best possible things for the consumer? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if there is an insight around our tech cases, we know we are the um, largest fashion brand in the tech case business. Um, we're actually in number eight tech case business overall. So these are the phone cases that you right. put on the back of your phone. Mm -hmm. um, it's also a huge point of acquisition for us. A lot of younger customers, um, Gen Z today, um, come to us through phone cases because mm -hmm. they're at a you know 58 to 88 dollar price point really um, accessible and very fun mm -hmm. and they have glitter in them they have sparkle in them <laughs> they're they're always a fun entry point mm -hmm. but knowing what her second purchase will, is likely to be after tech cases allow us to smartly welcome to her to the brand mm -hmm. and begin talking to her about other products that she might be interested in having right. and that's just one example across all of the categories we don't want to force consumers to take a path that they're not interested in mm -hmm. but we want to make sure when we do send them a message that it's personalized to what they most likely want to receive. Right. And so so on that point, organizationally, how do you build a marketing team that can work well alongside a, a data analytics team? I think it's so important to not get bogged down because you can only imagine if you, like you said, you're not digging for more data, it can be, right. you know, data paralysis. And so do you have, how, like, is there a, like a brand side marketing mm -hmm. team and then a performance or paid side marketing team? How are, are those, are those two sides that are working together or how do you sort of look at it in a way that says, okay, here's, here's just like our brand halo. And then, mm -hmm. you know, here's where we get down to business in terms of driving people back to the site and driving conversions, that type of thing. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and where does data sort of fit on both sides of that sure. path? So Kate is a big brand, mm -hmm. globally well-known, uh, but we have small teams. We've always had Scrappy as a core value. Uh -huh. um, and we also do all of our creative in-house. So my team is both the creative team that produces all the brand creative. I have a brand strategy team that is doing really the, the brand digital side of things right. and the brand marketing. Um, and then performance lives within the e-commerce teams okay. uh, in the different regions. Mm -hmm. But again, because we're so small, um, it does work incredibly well that we all work together um, very seamlessly. And I think it's important what you said. Um, it's really about those teams, whether it's demand, whether it's the brand side, providing insights to the creative team so that they can make the best creative. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, we do not want to get to analysis paralysis. So mm -hmm. we have really um, frequent conversations back and forth between the two teams. There isn't a single creative person out there who wants to make a piece of creative that doesn't work. Right. <laughs> um, and I think frequently uh, I see groups where there's fear of sharing information with the creative team and they're set up on a pedestal. Um, the creative team wants to know those insights in a way that they can absorb them to make the best possible creative to induce whatever action you want taken, mm -hmm. whatever emotion you want to feel. Mm -hmm. And I love seeing those two teams work together. One of the my favorite examples of recently was last year around our launch of our new fragrance in full bloom. 
we wanted to do just something different from a fragrance level. We're not one of the big fragrance companies. We can't punch it that way. Right. So in launching the brand, we really we knew we needed to approach it and not do the same old, same old fragrance launches. Mm. So our digital team came with some great insights from YouTube. YouTube is one of the number one places for beauty discovery today. Mm -hmm. And we had a strong content hub on YouTube. And they gave us some amazing insights about the type of search terms women were using when they were looking for beauty searches. Things mm -hmm. about what is self-confidence, things about what are ambition. Um, and we used those search terms to then create content around our beauty campaign that worked back to those search terms. So it really was, in that case, the data providing some insights in terms of how people used the distribution medium right. and then us creating content for it versus the more traditional, the creative team's going to sit over here, they're going to make something wonderful, mm -hmm. and then they're going to hand it to you and best of luck. Right. It really was <laughs> an integration to decide how best to put that forward. And mm -hmm. for companies like ours, where every dollar and every hour count mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what we're going to do and the choices we're going to make, right. having those insights up front are imperative. Right. And so, and, and like you said, the attention is so special splintered across mm -hmm. different different mediums, different channels. How do you, what else is working? What else do you find really resonates with your customers? Um, obviously, there's a lot of different platforms and, and I think brands have taken the mindset of you, you want to be everywhere, mm -hmm. but you can't just you know, sort of spread the same content around. So, so if you have to, to think differently about every platform and then the performance is different for every platform, what do you see as, as really resonating right now and, and where are you sort of excited to, to expand on next year as well? I think we can't be everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, it is true just being everywhere with the same content and not creating content, content that is appropriate for that medium, what the consumer is expecting in that medium, mm -hmm. I believe is worse than just not showing up on that particular platform right. given that time. Mm -hmm. um, email is still a really powerful tool, and I think while it's not as sexy and fun as some of the other things, it's something we really focus on. We have this opportunity to talk to a database of people who have opted in, who've mm -hmm. said, I want to receive communications from you, right. um, and be able to send things to them on a weekly basis that they'll respond to. So we work very hard to make it the best possible creative and the most compelling message. Mm -hmm. I'm also very excited about a lot of the technology that allows communication to happen seamlessly from our store perspective. Mm -hmm. Our associates are definitely our special sauce. They are really, really a special component of Kate Spade. Um, and we um, in, uh, took on a new vendor uh, last year called Toolup that developed a digital clienteling system in our stores that mm -hmm. allow our stores associates to engage with customers that have opted in um, directly with the associate. So the associate can say, you know, I know you came in last week. You were, were looking for a perfect sweater for the holiday party. We just got a new delivery today and immediately send a picture that they pull from the e-commerce site. Mm -hmm. The customer can make the purchase um, on katespade.com. They can come into the store mm -hmm. uh, and and, and work with the associate the next day, making an appointment through our uh, appointment maker through Brickworks, um, and it happens like that. And that is always that one-on-one -on -one communication, mm -hmm. which was happening in retail through little black books for ages, right. um, is now happening. I mean, I don't like love to receive phone calls. I mm -hmm. think most consumers don't. They can get a quick email from an associate with the image that they want, a link to buy, or a link to make an appointment, um, and make that happen for them. And I've been so excited to see the way that our associates have responded to it and the way that our customers have as well. Right, and I think that it goes back to the idea that the store network work is, is a really huge asset for, for brands, whereas, you know, maybe for a few years it was seen as a potential liability, if, especially if you didn't know um, how to 
sort of push it forward and, mm-hmm. and bring it into the new the new customer mindset and expectations. So, and you mentioned a few other capabilities yeah. like buy online, ship to store, the yeah. new digital clientele. How do you see the stores as becoming a really important, not becoming, but yeah. remaining and <laughs> staying relevant and becoming an important hub for where customer um, experiences and behaviors are going next? I think again, being a, a company that you know states that our people, both our customers and our teams, are at the centers uh, center of everything we do, means that um, wherever the world goes, we want to be there for our customer. And mm-hmm. I think you know, KateSpade.com is definitely our ultimate flagship. We know that the majority of our customers start their journey on KateSpade.com, mm-hmm. even if they're going to end it in a store or at a wholesaler. They want right. to do that research. They mm-hmm. want to see the imagery. They want to see the product. And so we make sure that is seriously our ultimate flagship. It is a great experience. It has the um, widest uh, selection of products. Pretty much everything you can get from katespade.com is available, uh, from katespade is available on Mm katespade.com. But then the stores are really this um, place that showcases the brand values of Kate Spade. They are joyful. They are welcoming. um, They are inclusive. They have uh, fun elements, but also if you just want to come in and get down to business and get something purchased, you have associates who are knowledgeable and able to help you. Mm -hmm. And so I see them as remaining incredibly central to the Kate Spade experience. Experience. Right. Um, we know customers that shop in our stores ultimately have um, a higher customer value over their lifetime. They're mm-hmm. more likely to return a second time. They're more likely to buy different product categories because of that one-on-one experience. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens with digital technology today, I think the human experience will always remain important. Right. Um, but it has to be equally emphasized with having the best digital technology out there mm-hmm. for consumers to be able to access you. Right. And, and you mentioned raising the bar. So does it feel like th- that retail right now it's just it just has to be better than it has ever been before uh, and and what does that mean for for you as a Simova of a global brand for where you know resources have to go next for where your priorities have to be when customer expectations are just getting higher and it's really weeding out uh, the, the people who can keep up and the people who can't how do you sort of navigate this 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 new era of, of branding and, and customer behavior it really means that every single consumer touch point has to deliver on your brand um, it you know it's often quoted that Steve Jobs says you it's said that you either have a brand deposit or a brand withdrawal there's a, rarely anything that's neutral and I agree with that mm-hmm. and I think that it it whether it's Amazon making sure that the demand is there from consumers in terms of quick overnight shipping and free shipping right. that really revolution revolutionized what we did mm-hmm. whether it's you know folks like we're seeing at Remo today like Everlane talking about radical transparency with consumers the bar is raising and I think for brands like Kate we want to both follow along with that bar but also raise the bar ourselves mm-hmm. and I think our shops are one of the places that we're doing that with our associates um, I think the way that we can uh, communicate with our consumers is another area of focus for us mm-hmm. um, and it's exciting. It just means constant change, constantly listening to the consumer and seeing what she wants versus what we sitting you know, in New York City think that our consumer wants. Right. And that constant listening and responding um, is, is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when you think of like a, an industry in a, in a retail landscape where any brand from from a fashion brand to maybe a grocery brand, a CPG brand has to be keeping pace with a company like Amazon that mm-hmm. is, like you said, really, really setting the pace and, you know, shaping customer behavior in a way where that, that kind of flat one, like lays out the expectations of where you're going to go. What do you think that means for the for the fashion industry overall, especially as you know you have this this emphasis on direct retail mm-hmm. and then you have a player like Amazon that that really want has the gigantic scope to to 
come out with new capabilities that make the way people shop very different than what it used to be. What, what does that mean for, for the fashion industry? I think one of the things that fashion has uh, and has always had is the emotion and the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, our CEO once said to us that, you know, if you really need something to carry around your keys and your wallet, you could use a brown paper bag. Um, Why is it that you want to have a handbag? Mm -hmm. There's an emotion and an attachment and a story that comes with your choice. It says something about you. And I think today in the world of Instagram, um, in which we're all in our own way an influencer with our communities, there's even a higher stakes to the the brands we choose to associate with, mm-hmm. because it's not just the people we're going to see during the day, but it's when we're standing at a party and we're photographed with our bag, um, whether it's with a friend or put on our social communities. Um, there's a stake there for people to say, I'm, I feel good about associating with that brand. Mm-hmm. And I think fashion has the emotion and the storytelling that some of those other players can't, can't bring. Mm-hmm. Um, but what fashion has to do is respond to the change of the consumers and not kind of stay locked in the ways of the past. But mm-hmm. if you know your brand clearly, as we do at Kate Spade, um, it makes it easy to respond because it's not just running here and there and saying, oh, this brand did this, we should do it this way. This brand did this, or this company's doing this. Right. It's really using our um, core DNA of optimism mystic femininity as our true north Mm -hmm. and saying, how would we respond for the consumer and in the right way for this brand Mm -hmm. um, to create an emotional reason for her to make a purchase? Mm -hmm. And and what do you think that says about the modern definition of luxury? You know, we we just did an interesting exercise at Kate about what luxury is. And we started talking about what our luxuries are. And the things that we came up with that we put you know, down for all of our associates to understand what luxury is to us were things like champagne in the bathtub, mm-hmm. um, but they were also things like an empty dishwasher. Mm-hmm. We are 85% women at Kate Spade. We identify very clearly with our consumers. Um, so we know that a preheated car on a snowy morning um, is as exciting as a few chocolates with a check. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding that luxury is time, luxury is the little things in life, um, luxury is um, some unexpected surprise and delight. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of luxuries that we want to provide at Kate Spade. Right. And we're almost out of time here, but we are at the um, the end of the year. So yes. it's always fun to look ahead to next year. What do you think is going to define uh, customer trends, customer behavior uh, as, as it's pushing forward into next year? As And as a brand, how do you how do you sort of look at the, the changing customer landscape and where it's going to go? You know, I think that the millennial generation has had huge impacts on us. I was reading a stat recently that as of 2018, they have the largest spending power of any generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're demanding transparency. They're demand- demanding clear communication. Um, they are um, demanding uh, speed. And that's exciting. Um, but I think they're also demanding integrity and understanding of the purpose of a brand and and really know the power of who they choose to associate with. Mm-hmm. And I think for me at Kate, that makes me feel really excited and comfortable because mm-hmm. we are very clear about who we are. We have an incredible new product line st- uh, launching uh, in spring 19 on January 25th, Nicola's first collection um, that is beautiful uh, as well as upholding all of our brand values and I think will excite our current customers as well as new customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our clarity of brand vision is something that the modern day customer is going to and does respect. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much, Mary. Thank I really you. enjoyed it. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Special thanks to Gianna Cappadona, the producer of this podcast. If you've been enjoying the Glossy podcast and aren't a Glossy Plus subscriber yet, it's time to consider joining to get access to all of Glossy's content, member events, ticket discounts, Slack chats, and more. 
As a reward for listening, use the code Hillary25 at glossy.co slash plus to get 25% off an annual subscription. That's H-I-L-A-R-Y 25 at glossy.co slash plus. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Anchor FM and leave us any feedback you have.